0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.
1: The simplest toy, one which even the youngest child can operate, is called a grandparent. Sam Levinson said that, and he's probably right. Good morning and welcome to Go-to Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth. This is episode number 12 of our show and podcast. When I started this show, I wanted to talk about the things that are important to today's grandparents. And that's exactly what we've been doing since the start. The other thing I wanted to do was to introduce listeners to some fascinating and famous Canadian grandparents. So it's no mystery why I am so happy that Yannick Bisson and his wife Chantal are joining me on today's episode to talk about the biggest case Murdoch has had to face, why having grandkids is one of life's biggest pleasures. You used to have a picture of us on your phone background. Now it's them. So said one of my kids, pointing out a photo I have of my two grandsons lighting up my phone. Who do you have? I asked them back. Same photo. There's something about grandkids and nieces and nephews that bring the family closer together. Those surly teens we had to deal with are now the parents of our grandkids. So we forgive them all of that, don't we? Chantelle Bisson wrote a book called Parenting Your Teen Without Losing Your Cool. Let's see how cool she can be about her new grandson. It's obvious the Bissons are loving their roles as new grandparents, but I'm dying to ask Yannick what kind of a granddad he thinks Murdoch would make. Mom, why did you post that? What were you thinking? If you've been caught out posting something about your kids or grandkids that you shouldn't have, you're going to want to listen to Avery Swartz break down the social media channels and what we should be posting or not. On the Twitter, on the Snap, we got you covered. Our Take 5 with RBC series yells 4 this week with a focus on golf, and in particular, golf in North Carolina, and a chat about the golf legend Donald Ross. Get your coffee, steep some tea, and tea yourself up for a half hour of Murdoch Media and no mulligans. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you're listening to Go To Grandma. Two-time author Chantelle Bisson was born and raised in Toronto and splits her time between Toronto, sunny Los Angeles, and her marina that she purchased in 2018, Chantilly's Place in the Kawartha region of Ontario. Her second non-fiction book, Parenting Your Teen Without Losing Your Cool, is an Amazon bestseller. Along with being an author and producer, Chantelle is a recovering actress, has three beautiful daughters, and two four-legged sons with husband, Yannick Bisson, star of Canada's number one drama series series, CBC's Murdoch Mysteries. Yannick was born in Montreal and moved to Toronto when he started acting. He is an actor and producer, and besides Murdoch, has appeared in Anything for Jackson and Year by the Sea. He and Chantal have been married since 1990, and they just welcomed their first grandson, Rory. Chantal and Yannick give back in many ways, Childhood Cancer Canada, and they've been co-chairing their main fundraising event, Bridgepoint Active Healthcare, Artists for Peace and Justice, supporting kids in Haiti by sponsoring their secondary school, and they sit on the Canadian board as well as the advisory board. In September 2021, they were awarded the APJ Changemaker Award due to their extensive philanthropic work for children's causes. As a childhood sexual abuse survivor, Chantelle recently joined forces with Boost for Kids where her duties included honorary chair. Chantel's life has been centred around children since she became pregnant with her first daughter at 19. So it comes as no surprise that her charitable endeavours focus primarily on kids in need. Good morning, Chantel and Yannick. I'm going to cut right to the chase. Tell me about your grandson, Rory, we're dying to know.
0: (laughs) A new addition certainly makes for a new outlook and a a new perspective on life.
2: He's a dream and it almost feels unfair because... Our eldest daughter was our most challenging baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go from that
1: that teen to a parent. What? What happened there? right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And when but was she was
2: a really tough baby? So we're like, oh my gosh, how did you end up with this angelic, you know, easygoing, so calm and and lovely natured little
1: boy? Oh, that's so nice. I have a similar actually situation over here. But when was Rory born? August twenty second. August twenty second. Twelve oh nine a.m. It was uh
2: it was that rare blue moon, actually, that he was born on. He was he he said, "I'm coming in with a bang.
1: <laughs> he sure did. Has anything surprised you? <laughs> I know it's early days. he's just tiny, but has anyone surprised you about being a grandparent?
2: For me, I'd have to say that even though um we're fifty two, which is a completely normal time to become a grandparent, I think <laughs> the thing that surprised me the most is how quickly. We got here. How you know? I'm like, am I ready to be a grandmother? Like, I still feel like I'm 25.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I think that you're absolutely right in terms of where did the time go, and all of a sudden we're in this new phase of life. And I find it sometimes hard to remember being a parent. What do you find the main difference between being a parent of a young child versus being a grandparent?
0: Yeah, I I hardly remember the 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 parenting part. Uh, So it feels a little bit like uh, a fish out of water at some moments. But I think it's a lot less defined. Your role is a lot less defined. You don't just get up and do and you have the final say without even thinking. You know, you're sort of navigating. You've got two other people that are actually in charge of of this little life. And so you you sort of at arm's length try to, you know, take what you want out of the deal, but also try to offer some some. You know, uh, very loosely, uh, offer some advice or, or any sort of insight, but you know, like you said, it's early days, so who knows?
2: I think for me, is I have a few girlfriends that are ahead of me in the grandma world, and I only have my experience of my mother as a grandmother to our girls, and I think that the thing that I'm most surprised by is how different. Our daughter is in her need of us and input and whatnot. Like, my mom came and moved in with us for two weeks every single time we had a baby. Nice. You know, and I've got girlfriends whose moms are really hands on and really involved. And, you know, our daughter seems to be a lot more independent and require a lot less input than I had expected and certainly I think for what I had hoped so I'm adjusting to that
1: and it's, <laughs> right and, and, and the parenting you know everything changes as, as you know we would remember you know saying to our parents mom that's not the way we do it anymore mm-hmm. our kids are now saying that to us right so you're you're both I, I love yeah. what you're both saying about this in terms of we're not in charge of the rules and that can be a great thing but it can also be a hmm should I say something here or not you know
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had our first situation uh, the other day where I was like, I think I I'm, I think I am going to say something here because, you know, <laughs> so it's interesting. It's interesting because, you know, like Yannick said, when you're the parent, you just do it. That's and right. You just that's the way you're going to do it. And then as a grandparent, you're like, do I say something? Do I not say things? So yeah, definitely yeah. bizarre.
1: Bizarre. And Chantel, in your book, Parenting Your Teen Without Losing Your Cool, um, you talk about discipline. And I I think you and I share similar philosophies. Let's say we lean autocratic. Do you think you'll apply some of the same rules to your grandkids? I think for sure I will in that, you know, Yannick
2: and I have always sort of had the idea as parents that our house, our rule kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, when he comes over and any of our grandchildren come over, I mean, you know, if you're allowed to climb on the furniture and and swing from the chandeliers at your house, doesn't mean you're going to be allowed to do that at our house. So I think in that regard, it will be, this is, you know, grandpa and Tilly's house. And Mm -hmm. these are our house rules. And we expect them to be respected, you know, because the thing is, is that kids and grandkids alike are supposed to add to your life, they're not necessarily (laughs) supposed to come in and take a wrecking ball to it and make life more stressful. So and I believe that a way to make life less stressful is to have some structure. I think everybody feels more confident and they know where they stand. And it's easier to have a peaceful household that way. What do you think?
0: I think having some structure is definitely important. It'll be interesting to see how things go with them. You know, like we sort of watch them get their first dog and and how they've sort of dealt with that. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's a little different than how we would have done it. So who knows? I I think, you know, you cross each bridge as you get to it. Try to, uh, you know, have some positive impact, so to speak, on, on this little life. But also, you know, make it somewhat different and something for them to look forward to, for for the child to look forward to that's different than what they do with their parents Um, and and not just be, you know, a couple of chitty old people, Uh, (laughs) but but take them to do things that we are able to take them to do, uh, whether it be because of schedule or, or, you know, our, our, our means or whatever. You know, young parents, we we, we didn't have the means to do certain things with our kids until much later. So, you know, maybe we'll be able to offer up some experiences that, that, you know, the kids can't just get.
2: Well, Uh, we're really different than our daughter and her husband. I mean, Yannick and I are more outdoorsy, you know. He's been skiing since he was two. He introduced me to skiing at 19, Mm -hmm. and our girls started skiing at two. So I think that there are things that we'll do that they would never think to do, that they're just not their interests, and, you know, sort of, like, learning to drive a boat and and fishing and all these things that Yannick loves to do that he's introduced me to. I think there are a lot of elements to Rory's upcoming life that he's going (laughs) to benefit from from our interests, I'd say.
0: mainly being outdoors and out of the city, that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, that offers up whole you know vast array of different things and, and i think we'll probably just focus on that for now
1: yeah, no it's true and it isn't it a great relationship the way that you're speaking enriching their lives in different ways that they they wouldn't have unless you were there i have to ask this question of you Yannick. what kind of granddad do you think murdoch would make oh uh, interestingly <laughs> he enough, would be crotchety for sure <laughs>
0: We're actually tackling some of that this season. We're talking about, you know, child raising once again in the series. So um, it, it's actually funny you should ask, because there are some new and interesting aspects to Murdoch that are different than than in years past. And, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of like layers of an onion sort of peeling off and getting to the, the, the good stuff with him.
2: Can't and wait for that.
0: I, I, think, uh, you'll, uh, I think you'll like it.
2: I think Murdoch would be a very cerebral grandfather. <laughs> yes. Like, I think he'd be like, come over here, let's build this, let's uncover this, let's undo this and put it back together. Oh, yeah. Kind of grandpa.
1: Well, I of. can't wait to see those episodes of it. And Chantel, you have to let me know if you write a How to Grandparent Without Losing Your Cool book as well. Thank you so much, both, for joining me on this show. I know our listeners are going to be super interested to hear your perspective as new grandparents. Please, please join us um, another time and give us an update on how it's going. Thanks. For
2: sure. Thank you. For
1: us. Thank you. Avery Swartz is the founder and CEO of Camp Tech, the tech workshop company for non-technical people. She is the author of the best-selling book, See You on the Internet: Building Your Small Business with Digital Marketing. Avery is the resident tech expert on CTV Your Morning and was ranked number five on Search Engine Journal's top 50 in marketing list. Good morning, Avery. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to be here, Kathy. This is a topic I know so many of our listeners will be extremely interested in, social media. I mean, it's it's new, but it's not new, and it changes all the time. I'm going to ask you to give me the 101 on this. So what are the social media channels? What are some of the cultures and etiquette for each? Can you start us off with a basic breakdown?
3: <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, how many hours do right? we have exactly. <laughs> to go into this? But, um, you know, I, I think you said it right off the top, which is that social media, media changes so much, right? So here we are talking about this in 2021. I fully reserve the right to say <laughs> that anything that is accurate now will not be accurate in the future. Fair enough. But you know, the landscape kind of looks like this. For most people that are using social media to stay in touch with family and friends, mm-hmm. the big players are Facebook is, is still definitely in play. Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. Mm-hmm. Some people do still use Twitter, but it has definitely waned, mm-hmm. especially for people that are using it for, um, you know, keeping in touch with friends and family. Uh, Twitter tends to be a bit more for professional or for, you know, catching up on the news, sports, entertainment, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um of course you know same thing with LinkedIn you know LinkedIn is the professional social social media network and then you know YouTube is a bit of an outlier in terms of you know is it a social network or is it you know uh, you know a content channel and then of course there's TikTok and TikTok right. really is the one that took off during the pandemic for sure you know before that Snapchat mm-hmm. was the kind of the hip cool one <laughs> that the the young kids were using. I never got
1: that cool, Avery. I never used is, Snapchat. And it's still out there
3: and mm-hmm. people do still use it. But TikTok really yeah. kind of eclipsed everybody else in terms of being the newest, hottest, youngest, coolest one during the pandemic. But
1: you say youngest, coolest, but TikTok spanned many generations. I mean, it yes. wasn't just for young people. You know, it was there was lots of people of all age groups using it to yes. get, just for fun or for messaging recipes, etc.
3: Absolutely. And that's one of my favorite parts about TikTok is that, you know, so many. of these platforms have algorithms. Mm -hmm. And algorithm, you know, when we hear that word, we think, oh gosh, is this going to involve math? Um, (laughs) But no, not necessarily. And algorithm is just, it's a a computer's way of figuring out what you like to see so that it can show you more of that type of content. So for example, um, on my TikTok, I really like to see videos of dogs and animals doing goofy things. So the more videos that I watch on TikTok that have that kind of content, the more TikTok will suggest that to me. The
1: same as sort of true for Facebook, is it not? Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Really, they're all driven by algorithms. Twitter is the least kind of influenced by by algorithmic choices like that. But you're absolutely right, Kathy, they, they all do have an algorithm that, that chooses to show you more of a certain type of content and less of another. And your behavior on the platform is what teaches the algorithm. So for example, I will sometimes be very, you know, I'm very self-conscious of my behavior on social media, because I know things like, oh, if I like this, or if I, you know, try and, and watch more content that is like this, then I'm training the algorithm mm-hmm. to send me more of it. So I'm like, I do like this, but do I want the algorithm to know that I like
1: this? Great point. Yes, yeah, um, so don't necessarily yeah. hit that like button if you don't want right. to see you, more you of you want it. more of that, for sure. What we yeah. always want more of, Avery, is sharing photos of our grandkids and yeah. having other beautiful People see them. But what's appropriate? So social media etiquette, you know, so I have these I share lots of pictures of my grandsons, as you probably know, but my Mm. daughter is okay with that. So what's appropriate for sharing in your opinion and what's too much information?
3: So I think this idea of, of what we do online has to start with an offline conversation. Right. And you said right off the top there, you said, you know, you share photos of your grandsons, but your daughter is OK with that, which means that you've had a conversation about it. Right. And this is where things can get really interesting between grandparents and, uh, you know, your children or your children-in-law, you know, the, the mm-hmm. parents of your grandkids, where you may have some differing opinions about what you do and don't want to share of the kids online and That even might change as time goes by, Uh, you know, as the kids get older, you know, what kind of content is appropriate for what age and. I think I, I'm just I'm going to come out here with a hard opinion. Um, and maybe you, you know, like we can that. debate on this <laughs> one. But I think that the wishes of the parent of the child are the ultimate wishes.
1: Uh-huh. A I agree with you. They get to make yeah. the rules on this just like they do the parenting rules. This is part of, yes. of parenting. Absolutely. So that's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. The-
3: so so if, they, if the grandkids uh, parents say, you know what, we love that you've taken all of these wonderful pictures. Um, it was so cute when you, you know, caught the Grandkid in the bubble bath, right. or you know something like that. But please do not share it on Facebook. We don't like to, or Instagram, or wherever. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't like to share photos of our child or of our child's face or something. But you're you're welcome. You know, in my family, I have a pretty strict no photos of my kid uh, on social. Mm-hmm policy now. I didn't so much when she was younger, but I do know that she's she's 10 years old. She's getting a bit older. But that doesn't mean that we can't have these like epic group texts where we all share photos directly with each other. Great point. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, social. right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you raise a great point on that, though. Is a private account ever really private?
3: Yeah. So pretty much every single social media platform, you can have the ability to have a private account. So, you know, Facebook is is private accounts by default. You can't see somebody's Facebook information Unless they choose to share certain parts of it on Instagram, on TikTok, uh, on Twitter, you can choose to have a fully public account or a private account where you go through and select, you know, who can follow you and um, who's allowed to see, you know, the content that you post. I think that that concept of having a private account gives a false sense of security, mm. to be honest. I think that um, people lean on it a little bit too hard to say, oh, oh, it's not a big deal. It's a private account. Only, you know, my my friends from the club are, are following <laughs> yeah. me or, or only the neighbors or our friends from church or whatever it might be. Because there's, there's two main issues here. There's the issue of you putting the photos into the system, which is something we can talk about. Like, you know, you uploading photos to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok, you are sharing those photos with that company. Mm -hmm. And once you put them out in the world, they kind of don't belong to you anymore. And then there's the issue of, okay, well, then who can see them? And, you know, private accounts can be hacked, they can have breaches and leaks and stuff. So, I would say, you know, even if you do have a private account, you should kind of conduct yourself as if it's public.
1: I think that is amazing advice. And I know that I follow you for advice on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you're Avery Mm -hmm. Swartz on all of them. Thank you so much for joining us today, Avery. I learned a lot, and I think all of my listeners probably did as well. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Kathy Burroughs works as a pioneer in customer management strategy and execution in financial services. As Senior Manager Marketing for RBC Bank US, she facilitates a cross-border team of specialists in acquiring, engaging, and retaining clients. She has been a lecturer in MBA Extensive Education Programs and International Conference Speaker in her more than 30 years with RBC. But really, she likes to say, her job is to make banking better for clients. And being in the South, this now includes sharing RBC's research on great golfing in North Carolina. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for joining us. Tell me, why do you think RBC Bank thinks North Carolina is a paradise for golfers?
4: Well, Kathy, first off, There's probably only a couple of bad golf days all winter here, (laughs) so there's that. But I think the real answer is Donald Walker is Donald Ross, because as much as Donald Ross is a legend in the golf world of golf courses generally, with over 400 courses that he designed and built over his career, his legacy in North Carolina is pretty significant. There are over 50 Ross courses here alone, from the coast in North in Wilmington, North Carolina, to the mountains in Asheville, and quite a few in between. And while many are private courses in North Carolina, like communities like the Benvenue Country Club in Rocky Mount, where I first lived in North Carolina and even played a round or two, and and Hope Valley in Durham, where I live now. There are also some fabulous public courses, and some are even attached to resorts like Pinehurst Resort and the Grove Park Inn in Asheville. So lots of choices.
1: I've actually been to Asheville, North Carolina. It's a beautiful part of the country. I am not really a golfer, though, and I understand your golfing talent lies more in driving the cart. I appreciate that. Um, How did you come to learn so much about Donald Ross and the courses he's designed in North Carolina?
4: Well that is true Kathy I drive a <laughs> cart better than I drive a golf ball someone but I'm has a to do a golf fan and I've lived here in North Carolina for almost 20 years I can hardly believe it but it was in Rocky Mount that I first learned about Donald Ross and then of course watching pros play on his courses and visiting some myself it really got me intrigued so curiosity led me to do some research to better understand his story and I was really amazed by the fact that he had come to the US from Scotland And designed courses for the Astors and the Vanderbilts in places like Jekyll Island, Georgia. And I've grown to appreciate his architectural craftsmanship, as well as his artistry in some really wonderful natural settings. In fact, Jack Nicholas, Nicholas, who's also um, a golfer and a golf course architect, has been quoted as saying, Ross's stamp as an architect was naturalness. And it's really true when you visit some of his sites.
1: Yeah, I mean, they sound beautiful. I'm sure we can look them up online and get some wonderful imagery of that. So he came to the United States from somewhere else. Is that right?
4: Yeah, he came to the U.S. in 1899 from Scotland. And he was the golf professional at Pinehurst Resort here in North Carolina for many, many years. And that resort is actually home to the renowned Pinehurst Number no. 2 of U.S. Mm-hmm. Open fame. Mm-hmm. But there are a number of courses around Pinehurst as well that are that are part of his legacy. But what didn't seem to be well known from RBC Bank's perspective is Donald Ross's full North Carolina legacy. So RBC Bank is now sharing that story with our clients, many of whom are avid golfers. Mm-hmm. And the public in general. In fact, if your listeners want to visit www.rbcbay.com golf to learn more, that's where we've posted some wonderful articles based on some of our research.
1: And he doesn't just have courses in North Carolina, is that right? He does not. Um,
4: there are definitely some wonderful Ross courses in Florida where many snowbirds and others travel to golf, and there are some just even over the Canadian border in upstate New York and Michigan. And across Canada, in fact, there are Ross courses located beside some famous vacation spots, such as the um, Banff Springs Hotel in Alberta, and the Algonquin Resort in St. Andrews-by-the-Sea in New Brunswick. And there are quite a few member courses in Ontario and Manitoba that I found. And, of course, we're just delighted to share the North Carolina highlights with with folks.
1: You mentioned you enjoy watching the pros play. Do you have some favorites on the team RBC Golf?
4: Well, you're right. Um yes, RBC supports a number of touring professionals from around the world. And in fact, RBC is the title sponsor of the Canadian Open, which mm-hmm. by the way is the oldest second oldest stop on the PGA Tour and the third oldest national championship in Canada. Wow. And of course, we also sponsor the RBC Heritage, which is the PGA Tour event which is hosted every year in Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. And we sponsored that since um, 2012. But Team RBC has some terrific members who play on both the LPGA and PGA tours. And as proud as we Canadians are of Brooke Henderson, one of the three LPGA players who are part of Team RBC, there are some folks who um, also live in North Carolina. And these include Webb Simpson, who was born and raised here in North Carolina, Mackenzie Hughes, a Canadian who's now based in North Carolina, and of course, the newest team member uh, for Team RBC is Harold Varner III, who grew up in North Carolina and played for East Carolina University. So, so really hard for me to pick, Yeah, <laughs> um, but 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 maybe, Brooke.
1: <laughs> so uh, you've given us lots to think about. Again, we'll go to rbc.com slash golf if we want more information. Thanks so much for joining me this morning, Kathy.
4: Thanks. Y'all come and see North Carolina's <laughs> Donald
1: Ross Way. Will do. When I told some friends that I was having Yannick and Chantelle Bisson on my show, Go To Grandma, most said, how are they grandparents? They're too young. I did my research, and they're both 52. Is this too young to be a grandparent? It's on the younger side, but guess what, everyone? Grandparents are young, fit, healthy, and working. That's what this show is all about. If you're listening to the show, you're probably nodding along. I hope you are. Such a pleasure having the business on the show. I know how busy their lives are, and I hope we can all be inspired by the work that they do and the joy that they're finding in their grandparenting lives. Seems like there's a new social media channel introduced every week. Find the one that works for you and your family and discuss the rules of engagement before you step in some digital doo-doo. Thanks to Avery for helping us navigate this new and fun world. Golfing is a big part of retirement, but it's also a huge pastime for people still working, looking to enjoy the outdoors and to stay moving. If you can't make it to North Carolina to golf, check out some local courses this spring. You can start working on that swing now. Go To Grandma next week is scary and spooky. That's right, it's our Halloween special. My kids already think I'm a witch some of the time, so I'm going to go with it to help crank up the crafts and get ghoulish. DIY specialist Denise Wilde is going to help us through some simple and easy Halloween decor we can make with our grandkids. And film critic Ann Brody is going to tell us all about some great family-friendly Halloween films that we can watch with the grandkids. And we're going to talk about why we actually like to be scared. Movies can be passionate as well as scary. So can we when we find out what we love to do in our retirement as our Take 5 with RBC series continues with some more inspiration. Do I love it that our Halloween show is the 13th episode? Couldn't have planned it better if I tried. Please try to join us next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. I'm Kathy Buckworth and you've been listening to Go To Grandma. Enjoy your grand journey.
0: Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter, at Kathy Buckworth, or email her, kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.